guys have a seat. Well, good morning again. Um, today, like I said, we're starting a, we're going to start a brand new series. Um, and, I, and I really couldn't be more excited about this because I really do believe um, that if, like, like, if we take some of this stuff to heart, that it will totally change our lives forever and change the lives of people around us forever. And it's this, um, in this new series, it's called Stand. And, and, more, um, and then more pointed out here this morning, the title of this, this morning's message is, is Stand Out. Um, and here's the deal. How do we stand out in the right ways at the right time for the right reasons? Because here's what I believe all, with all my heart, is that the content of the next few weeks could change everything for somebody. And it's very, it can imp- impact your life and those around, everybody around you in, in a significant way. Because when we do stand out in the right ways at the right time, for the right reasons, it can change the course and direction of our lives. And, but the flip side is also true. Is that when, it, when we compromise on the wrong things in the wrong ways at the wrong times, it can cost us way more than we could ever imagine. Especially in this time that we're in. And so over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at how do we take a stand for things that matter most. Like today, we're going today we're going to look at um, how we're, how to stand out in the right way. And and like this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys to put your thinking caps on for a minute because this morning's message isn't going to be anything that's kind of like, "Wow, Derek, you're awesome. Thanks for using your theology degree. That's awesome." Okay, it's it's just going to be kind of this foundational message to get us to the rest uh, of the next four weeks because if we can't get this part right, if we can't stand out the right way, then the next four weeks are not going to matter at all. And Joe, can you turn on those backlights for me? It's, it's all, I'm okay with that. Okay, so I want you to put your thinking caps on, if you will, so because we're going to do a little work today, lay some groundwork to carry us on. So just to, what we're going to do is we'll be in, in the book of Daniel. The next, we're going to look at some stories in Daniel. We're going to go over the book of Daniel, like a whole book, Derek? Well, kind of. We're going to talk about five main, even though it's one story, um, but five different parts of a story that help us stand in the, in the world that we live in. So we, we'll start in Daniel chapter 1, and just to kind of give you a backstory, there was this king, his name was King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And he was, he was this evil guy, like this mean guy, like just to kind of give you a story about King Nebuchadnezzar is that he destroyed Jerusalem. Like he, and by destroy, I mean destroy. Not only did he destroy Jerusalem, but he did some really bad stuff. He, he burned down their temple. But before he burned down their temple, what he did, he went in and took all of their religious stuff, took all their religious stuff and, 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 and crushed them and burned them and did all kinds of the stuff, just destroyed them. And it's as if he was to, saying to the Jewish people in these moments, what he was saying was, the worship of your Yahweh God is obsolete. I'm, I'm taking out anything that even matters remotely close to your worship, to what you call the one true God. And not only did he just destroy the city and the temple and all the religious symbols, but to make it even worse, essentially, he says, I'm going to destroy your future. I'm going to destroy your future. And what he said was, he said to his leaders, 
go find the sharpest and the brightest sons of royalty and nobles, and I want you to basically kidnap them. Kidnap them, bring them to me, and I'm going to indoctrinate them in the Babylonian way. And indoctrinate them into Babylonian culture, train them for three years, then they're going to be, be future leaders in my government instead of your government. So not only am I destroying Jerusalem in the present, I'm destroying the future by taking the best of your best, by making them leaders in my country so they won't be your leaders. So that's kind of the backstory that we're into. King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem, kidnapped some people, right? He kidnapped some people. Four guys, we'll read about four guys that he kidnapped and tried train and this and so we're going to pick up the story in Daniel 1 starting in verse 3 and here's the it'll re-explain some of what I just told you and then it'll give you a little bit more detail of what where we're going so it says the king ordered Aspenaz can you imagine going up in the fifth grade with that name Aspenaz chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility young men it says, without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. I want to stay right there for a minute, okay? In other words, go find those who are voted most likely to succeed. Those are the ones that I want here in this. And here's what he goes on to say. He says, he was to teach them the language. He was to teach them the language. In other words, I want them to speak like we speak. And the end of that says this, and he, not only do I want them to speak like we speak, it says, and, the, and teach them the literature of the Babylonians. I want them to think the way we think. So not only teach them the language, in other words, speak what we speak, but teaching the literature so they can think like we think. Okay? And it goes on to say, the kings assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Here's, that's important. Okay, we'll get back to that in a minute. But that's really important, especially if you knew, if you knew the dietary laws for Jewish people. So I want them to eat from the king's table. And then it goes on to say they were to be trained for three years. Trained for three years and after they were to enter, after they were to enter the king's service. And what I want you to notice is this, this was a very intentional and strategic plan to indoctrinate, indoctrinate some young boys into the Babylonian culture. Like it was intentional. You might want to skip forward a couple slides. In other words, the king wanted them to think like Babylonians thought, behave like Babylonians behaved, and believed what Babylonians believed. And I believe this is a mirror of our spiritual enemy. Right? It's, it's, a, it's the same strategy of the prince of darkness. He wants those who follow Christ 
to think like he thinks, believe like he believes, thinks like he thinks, do like he does. But I don't think it's, I think it's more than just followers of Jesus. I think he wants everyone in this world to think the way he thinks, behave the way he behaves, and submit and surrender to his systems of this world. It's a full-on spiritual attack against people today. It's Satan's lies and he, as, he, as he deceives and as he tries to lure people away from God's best and live according to a lower standard. All right? So that's, what I would argue. that's why I would argue that there's no such thing or that it is completely impossible to be a sort of Christian. Because you can't just be sort of a Christian because the attacks from Satan are too strong for you just to be sort of in Jesus. Not even like that's possible, but you're either in or you're not. It's comp- like, but I believe it's completely impossible to be what some have called a cultural Christian. And all a cultural Christian is, is, well, do you believe in God? Well, yeah. Is anything different in your life? No. But I'm going to use verbal words to say, well, I believe in Jesus. I was born in America, so of course, of course I believe um, I'm a Christian. I'm not anything else, so I have to be Christian. But there's nothing in your life that would resemble any life change. And so you may come to church for an hour a week, but the hour is not enough to get you through Satan's attacks. A cultural Christian, I would argue, all day long, it's completely impossible to be a sort of kind of cultural Christian have any sense of spiritual success and victory. You can't just kind of sort of be in. It would be kind of like, can you go work out one time a year and expect, and expect a hot bod? Uh, you can't. I can't tell Brittany once a year I love her and her believe it. Like it has to be something that's daily, like like I said, you can't just come to church one day a week and expect to have spiritual success. Yet it has to be a daily in the presence of God, making it a priority in our lives, where you seek Him, where you depend on Him, where you're, where you're living and dwelling in His Word, where it's feeding you, renewing your mind. You're learning to walk by faith and not by sight. You're hearing His Spirit guide you. You can't just kind of sort of do this thing. And what we're going to see here in a second after I read a verse in Ephesians is that Daniel and his three friends didn't just sort of kind of do this stuff. They were dedicated to making sure their life, no matter what was thrown their way, they said, we're going to follow what God says, not what man says. It goes back to the New Testament thing of when they're on trial, someone's on trial, and they look at the high priest and say, is it better for us to do what man says or what God says? Because, yeah, you can take my life, but it's really already been taken by the king that's above you. And so, but we got to fight. We got to take a stand for the right things at the right time. It's why Ephesians 6 and 11 gives us going back to some of the armor of God says, verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that it can, you can take your, so you can take your what? Stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, the dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, the helmet of righteousness, 
or helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and the belt, belt of truth. When your shoes are prepared with the gospel, the readiness of peace, and you put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may able, be able to what? Stand your ground. After you've done everything else, after you've done everything, what do you do? To stand. So sometimes you have to take a stand for which matters most to you. You have to decide what matters most. In the right way, at the right time, for the right reason. And that's why I would submit to you if you're taking notes, if you're never standing out, you're always blending in. If you're never standing out, you're always blending in. And if you're always blending in, then you're truly not committed to following Jesus. Because when you follow him, you will be different. You'll be set apart. The word holy means to be separated, to set apart. Be holy as I am holy, God says. And there are times when you have to stand out. And if you're truly following, if you're truly following Jesus, you have to stand out. You have to be something different than what everyone else in the world is being. You can't just keep doing the same things the world's doing. Because then that would mean there's nothing really changed about you. And so that's what we're going to look at what happens to Daniel in the life of Daniel and his three friends. So if, you go, if we go on to verse 6 in Daniel 1, it says this. Among those who were chosen, from the tribe of Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah. Verse 7 says, the chief of staff. And what we're going to watch is, Two things are about to be changed in Daniel and his friend's life. Two things. They're going to they're change their diet and they're going to change their names. Change the diet, change the names. And so the chief staff of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Imagine getting that name. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Michelle was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. And there's just a little confession. Up until a couple years ago in, while I was taking Bible classes in school, I never really paid much attention, and I didn't realize they were together. <laughs> like, I thought it was two totally separate groups, but that's just a little sad confession of a pastor right there. So here we have the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right? So why did they change their names? Anybody know? First, you have to understand that these boys were pretty young. They want you have to get them young to get them indoctrinated. Because us, some some of us older folks, not that I'm old, I'm kind of that. You know, I feel old sometimes, but it's hard to teach new dog, old dog, new tricks, right? So they, some Bible scholars believe that they were somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15 when all this was taking place, right? Which means they would have been freshmen, sophomore, juniors in high school. They were taken a thousand miles away from their home crushed of all dignity, and the first thing the king wants is he wants their names to be changed. Why? Because their original names, the names that were given to them at birth, were tied to the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. It was their parents worshiping and serving of Yahweh. All their names were tied to the worship of, now their new names are tied to the false pagan gods and to the worship of these false pagan gods. So essentially, every time someone calls you by name, 
they're reminding you you're supposed to serve these pagan gods, not your old Yahweh, what you call one true God. Every time somebody says your name, oh yeah, you don't serve Yahweh anymore, you're serving our gods, not, not these other ones, not your ones, but so they're stripped of their identity when they're given their new name. Then you're going to change their diet. And I told you to remember that. They're supposed to eat, we read earlier, they're supposed to eat the food prepared for the king. And I don't know about you guys, but if you laid some food out before me that was prepared for a king, I'd be like, dude, give me what the king got. You know, because you know it's got to be good. That sounds good to me. I want what the king's got to eat. Whatever it is to serve it to me. But the problem was the food was already, already uh, prepared. The food that was prepared for the king, the meat and the wine were dedicated to the, these pagan gods. They were laid on a sacrificial altar for the false gods. And what was their command? You don't eat food from, to, that had been offered to a, to a false god. And it's created a real problem for Daniel and his friends because they wanted to honor and worship Yahweh or God the Father in every way possible and to eat and drink anything directly paid directed, dedicated to pagans' gods would cross the line in their minds and be disrespectful to the God who rescued them. So in verse 8, it's probably the key verse in all this. Here they are. Their the name got changed, and they got asked to eat some unclean food, or what, what they believed was unclean, that, that was forbidden, not kosher. Here's what verse 8 says. But Daniel... And look what he says. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. So I'm going to read it again. But Daniel resolved, which he decided beforehand, not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. It's very interesting what we, what we see take place here. And what, something I want you to notice is that what did Daniel not fight back about? His name. He didn't fight back when his name was taken. And here's why, and I'm just kind of guessing here, because it's like, hey, you can, you can call me whatever you want. You can tie me to whatever God you want. I know who I am, and an outward name does not define who I am in my heart. You can call me whatever you want, but... I know inwardly I will always worship and know and serve my God, no matter what you call me. The name is, is not worth standing up for. It's not a hill that I'm going to die on, as we would say today. So the question is, when do you take a stand? When? Here's what I, see, I think we see in Daniel and what I think we should do. is We should take a stand. We should stand out when God's name might be defamed. It's his name, Isaiah, Isaiah says, 26. Your name and your renown is the desire of my heart. Not my name, my renown, but your name and your renown, the desire of our hearts. I've resolved not to defy myself and eat this food. I'm not doing it. And I love this, is that he, he made a predetermined resolution a long time before he ever got taken captive. Before the temptation was ever there, he predecided that he would, what he would do and what he would not do. He predecided, and that's why he was successful, as we'll see here in a couple, couple weeks. That's why he was successful. You see, he had, 
if see, had he not predecided, you put the food in front of him, and he could have done what I have done sometimes in my life, where I've compromised and rationalized something that wasn't really right at all. I might have said, it looks pretty good. I mean, obviously God's in it. It smells good. It looks good. It comes from the king's house. You know, I might have said, you, you got to eat something. I'll do it just this once and God will forgive me. You ever done that? Okay, God, I'm going to do this one time, but you forgive me. Okay. Hey, and all these other Jewish boys, everybody else is doing it, and you're not striking them dead, so maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's okay. I'll just do this, and it's not a big deal, because I mean, you have to eat something. And, but here's the key. He predetermined. He resolved in his heart ahead of time. He made a decision before he was. He made a decision before he faced. He was faced with temptation, what he was going to do and what he was not going to do. And I would argue all day long for those of you that are followers of Christ, your success in so many different spiritual avenues will be determined by what you decide ahead of time what you're going to do. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I mean, it could look like, and I don't know who this may speak to, but. Maybe it'll personalize it for you for a little bit. Of There's some things you need to predetermine in your heart. Some things you've got to decide, hey, listen, I'm not doing this. Or I'm doing this. You need to decide now that no matter what happens in the future, I will always do such and such. No matter what. Or I will never do such and such. I have predecided to serve God and honor Him in this way. I predetermined what I would not do. I didn't... like. I didn't wait until I was in the back seat of a car with another girl to say, oh God, what should I do? You know? What should I do? I'm in the back seat. We're kissing. We're making out. Whatever. Should I not? Should I do it? Help lead me, Spirit. You really paint. That's what spirit you listen to. Right? Like, no, I have predetermined. I, we, we don't do, like, I have predetermined, I have predetermined a decision that, you know what? I'm not going to even put myself in that situation. I have predecided. I know this is going to sound bad. Pastor Derek, you're supposed to help people. But I have predetermined that, hey, listen, ladies, if you're broke down on the side of the road, I'm not, you're not getting in my car and I'm not driving you anywhere. I will sit there with you until somebody else gets there. But you're not getting in my car riding anywhere. I don't care. I mean, other than my mama. But <laughs> other than my mama. But you're not going to get in my car. Now, do I trust myself that nothing's going to happen? Absolutely, but well, how would that look? Like, it makes me nervous when, like, you know, I've met people at, like, Waffle House to have a meeting, and it not be, it's another, I always do that kind of stuff in a public place, but it's kind of like, man, what if somebody sees me and they think that I'm out here with another woman and Brittany's back at home, you know? But I've predetermined, like, listen, I'm not going to put myself in a situation to even, because, listen, that's one of my biggest temptations in my whole life was, Impurity. So why would I put myself in a situation that gets me to that point? So I've predecided, listen, you're not getting in my car. Now if your car's rolled over and it's raining outside, I'll let you sit in the passenger seat and I'll stand outside in the rain to keep you, to keep you dry. But listen, I'm not going to be by myself with somebody else in the room. I've predecided in my heart not to do this because I want to honor God. Not necessarily because I care what other people think, but I'm worried about his name and his renown and what it's going to look like in the, in, 
for him, not just, not just for me. Or maybe you used to be a party freak and now you're selling, selling out to Jesus and you're like, okay, I'm not supposed to get drunk, so I predetermined in my heart I'm not going to get drunk. Right? And that may mean for you that you don't go to a party, that you go to the party, but you just don't drink. Or it may mean that you can't handle that, so you just don't go to the party. Whatever it is, you've got to predetermine in your heart not to dishonor the body, the temple, the Holy Spirit, but ultimately not to dishonor God. So therefore, I'm not going to get drunk. You may predetermine in your heart not to be involved in discussions at work where people trash talk the opposite sex or always bashing the boss. I'm not going to be a part of that. So you decide, you know what, I'm just going to walk away if that comes up. I'm not going to talk about people like that. You may be buried and you, and you have to predetermine in your heart that you're not going to have intimate conversations with the opposite sex. Even if you're not married, I don't think you should have intimate conversations with the opposite sex until you get married. That's just, you know, call me old-fashioned, but I made that mistake way too much in life. Everybody else does it at work. She talks about how bad her husband is. He talks about how bad his wife is, and you know where that goes. But you've got to decide, you know what, I'm, going to be, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to be nice to people, but I'm, not, but I'm not going to open up and have those types of conversations. You have to predetermine in your heart. You have to decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. You have to predetermine what you're going to do. For me, I have predetermined that I'm going to church every single week. One, because I need it <laughs> bad bad if i'm in town there's or not on vacation listen there's no doubt about it when it comes to worship of god it's priority to me it's priority to me if i'm if i'm not in town i'm going to go listen online rather be to some uh, maybe joe's sermon or one of my old sermons or somebody's sermon i'm i'm going online i'm i'm making it a priority that i'm worshiping somebody not somebody but i'm worshiping god and then getting the word and empower and empowering my life it's a predetermined decision. That's why I made a point when we canceled church a couple months ago because of the weather that I got online and still talked a little bit. I wanted to make a point that like it's priority to me to hear the word of God. Because when I'm up here preaching, it's not just for me preaching at you. It's really preaching to me because, listen, I got this first. You know? So I, I predetermined that I'm going to keep my eyes pure. I'm not going to look at something that could cause me to whatever. I'm not going to go on the internet and look up things. I'm going to keep my eyes pure. It's funny, me and Zane will be watching the TV show and some scantily clad thing walks across the street. You see both of us kind of turn because we don't want to, we don't want that. We don't, we want to keep our eyes pure. You decide ahead of time, before the temptation, I have resolved in my heart, if this situation comes up, this is what I'm doing. Period. And that to be said, every now and then, because of what you predecided in your heart to do, to honor God, you will have to stand out in a crowd. Hey, we're going to go to the club. We're going to go clubbing tonight. You want to go with us? You know what? I predetermined in my heart that that's not good for me. 
because it makes me think and behave and do this way. So I'm not going to go there. It may not be that. You may be okay with going to the club with your friends and doing whatever. That's, I'm, not saying, I'm just using that for me. Like I couldn't go do that because my twerk would lead people to temptation. It would be funny. Okay? But we've got to stand out. Okay, we've got to stand out in some way. Because if you're never standing out, you're always blending in. And if you're always blending in, then you're not fully following Christ. Because if you're fully following Christ, there's going to be something different about you. So he says, I've resolved in my heart not to eat the food that has been dedicated to pagan God. And, and, what, sound, and what, what sounds like when you read this is that it was just a one-time event, but it wasn't. So if you think about it, you read that one little verse and you don't realize that they stood out day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out. For breakfast, they stood out. At lunch every day, they stood out. At dinner, they stood out. And the next day, and again, again, they stood out. They made one decision that set them apart again and again and again. And if you're fully, fully following Christ, you're going to find the closer you get to him, the more often you're going to be standing out. And you're not going to be ashamed about it because of what he's done for you. So watch the wisdom of Daniel here, though. So when we think of standing out, we think of like full force. We're going to, I'm not doing that, you know, yelling at people with signs on the street. And Daniel chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Daniel says this to a government leader who, who is above him. The Bible says he, God's placed people in authority. So no matter who's in authority, God's placed them there for some reason. So we still have to be respectful of them. We don't have to like them. But we can be respectful toward them. He said, and so Daniel's like, here's the deal. I really don't want to eat the food, because, but here's what I'm going to say. And here's what he says. Please test your servants for 10 days. Please let us for 10 days be on a diet of vegetables and water. In other words, we're, we're not eating that meat or that wine that's been dedicated to pagan God. Just give us water and vegetables. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel, Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young among men who had been eating the food assigned to the king. And I love this. What did they not do? They didn't make a big protest. Oh, no, you don't. We're believers in Yahweh. We don't eat the food dedicated to pagan gods and holding up traffic on the interstate and whatever the case may be holding up Camel Road or whatever. To have thrown a big fit or making a scene with, wis with wisdom, they presented a plan. Respecting the authority above them, he said, hey, can we simply try something different? He said, okay, if I do, if us three do something, us four do something different, you see, you can stand out for the right things in the right way. Or you can stand out for the wrong things in the wrong way and, like, there's some Christians who stand out for the wrong things in the wrong way all the time. And you know some of them, right? They're the Facebook police. Anytime someone says something, they're stabbing you with the sword or the word. 
you're just going, the Bible says this, da, 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 da. And they're rude and angry all the time to everybody. And they got the spiritual gift of being really annoying, if you ask me. It's the turn or burn, turn or burn, you're going to hell where the worm never dies. And there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And they're saying all that when they don't have teeth. You, stand, you can stand out like this, stand out in the wrong way and just push people away. Or you can stand out in the right way at the right time for the right reasons. And we, but we have to have wisdom. God is worth taking a stand for. God is worth taking a stand for. So here's what we got to do, just like Daniel and these guys. Daniel and Daniel and these guys. We got to stand out here, but we're going to do it in the right way, at the right time, for the right reason. You know what? You can call me whatever. time when I was a teenager, I had really long hair down to my shoulder blades. I was really looked like a hippie, and I was called that. A hippie boy. And go smoke some pot. And then I probably was like, well, that would be kind of nice. But... Or they may look at you and just be like, About a month ago, I seen you out there with whatever guy, whatever, all over that guy. It may be true, but now I'm different. I've decided that I'm going to stand out for something. I'm going to be something different because I want to see real change in me and I want to see real change in people's lives around me. But I've been told a lot of things over my life about myself like Derek you're not good enough I mean people close to me have never said that but Derek you stole all that money from Bilo yeah I did Derek you can't work for Knox County Schools because that very thing popped up on my job history Right? That was what was supposed to be expunged because it happened before I was 18. Wasn't. And I remember sitting there downtown across the desk from this nice lady. She was a nice lady. And basically, in one way or another, she labeled me and said, Well, I have to go to someone higher than me but we don't hire thieves hmm. she didn't say those exact words but that's what she said and I told her I said you know what because this is like I hadn't worked for three months we moved back down here to Knoxville to do this and I'm like God you told me to do this and here I am got a great opportunity and I had a I had the uh, had an option there. I could stand up in the wrong way for the wrong reason, or I could decide 
And I did decide that no matter what, when I moved down here, I decided I predetermined that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to stand up for the right reasons at the right time. And I told the lady, I said, listen, part of me is mad that you even said that the way that you said it. I said, if I was honest, honest, the flesh part of me wants to jump across this desk. And... But you know, it's amazing what God can do. In 15, 18 years. When you decide that you're going to start doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing all the time. I said, so that's fine if you don't want to hire me. I mean, it really sucks, but but I know who I am today. I'm not who I was 15 to 18 years ago. Actually, that was 13 years ago. That was shorter than that one. I don't know. It's a long time ago. It was over 10 years ago. I said, so I'm good. I'll walk out. So I'm walking to my car downtown, bawling my eyes out. Like, I did what I was supposed to up there because I predetermined this is what I'm going to do. Get in my car, I called Peyton. And I was a little bit upset, if I was honest. And I remember Peyton going, Derek, he's got y'all this far. He'll see you through. And like, I know, but right now it sucks. Can you help me right now? He's like, nope. All you can do is pray. You keep doing the right thing, and it, your chance is going to come. I'm driving down the road, down Chapman Highway. I get in front of the freaking Walmart and get a phone call from downtown. It's that lady. And she said, hey, can you, can you come back right now? I said, well, I'm almost home. And she goes, well, can you come back tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I can come back tomorrow. I'll go. And she goes, we decided to hire you, and we just need to... I get there to sign the papers and she said you know what she basically apologized for what she said the day before she goes "When you're right God can do amazing things in 10 plus years so we're gonna I'm gonna go ahead and hire you and it's all because I resolved in my heart this is where I'm where I'm where I'm willing to be different God, is this worth taking a stand for? Is it worth taking a stand for? Or is this something that's not a big deal? Like, is this hill really worth dying for? That is like, my name's not worth dying on this hill for. But what I put into my body is. And here's what I have. Here's the thing. All of you, you've got these opportunities pre-decided. Pre-decided. I've resolved in my heart. This is where I'm willing to be different. This is where I'm called to be different. I don't care if people make fun of me. This is what God is calling me to do. Listen to what verse 19 says. It says, the king talked with them. And I love this. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Did you notice something? The Hebrew names. Now, in the rest of Daniel, is there names you their Babylonian names used, yes. But in this story, because they decided 
they predetermined and listen this is what we're going to stand for come to find out they never lost their identity at all never when they decided to stand out for what they believed in their identity was there the entire time See, they could have fought for their names and you know what no you're Belshazzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But no, but since they decided to stand up for the right thing at the right time, stand out for the right things at the right time and the right moments, they kept their identity. They kept their identity. They didn't lose what was most valuable. See, God gave them supernatural understanding. These boys, they didn't... They did better in school. God gave them the ability to interpret visions and dreams, and they literally redirected the course of history that we'll see over the next couple of weeks. They redirected the course of history because they stood out for what mattered most. Think about this. Had they compromised and not had the courage to stand out, nothing historical would have ever happened in their lives. And I know we, some of us may not know what happened, but what we'll see is that they would have stood out in this one moment over and over and over again. What they did that we'll read about in the book of Daniel would have never happened. Nothing historical would have happened. So I don't know about you, but with all of my heart, with all, like with all of it, I would rather be remembered for standing out than forgotten for blending in. For blending in. Like when, I, when I'm laid to rest and on my tombstone, says 1987 dash I'm not going to say a year because that freaked me out because it would watch what happened it come true 3,460,000 years from now what I stood out for in that dash period will define what I'm remembered for will I be remembered for just being that bearded guy in the back of the room with his arms crossed, not standing out for anything? Or will I be remembered for being the person that said, you know what, I'm going to stand out for what's right. And not saying that we're going to have, like I'm going to be remembered like Billy Graham was months ago. Like I'm not talking about that. But the people, like I'm going to tell you something, I went to a funeral, I know I'm going a little long today and I apologize if you're listening online. Yeah, whatever. Okay. But I went to a funeral of a guy a couple, like maybe two years ago. It was right after we moved back down here. Okay, and it's a buddy, friends of mine, um, a friend of mine's wife's dad, and he's up in Granger County and Smith's funeral home. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go up there real quick, walk through, come back down here because it was actually um, not that I had a meeting planned with somebody. And so I'm gonna run up there. And the funeral started at four. The walkthrough started at four. And so I was like, I'm gonna get there at like 3, I got there at like 3.30, okay? I got in line at 3.30. And this guy had such an influence with people, had such a drive for people. I stood in line for almost four hours before I ever got to go see this guy, to see this family. Like, what an impact. I couldn't have found out my neighbor who I used to live with from who had passed away like he had done her funeral about a year before this couldn't find out like like he in had influence with so many people's life like he paid every every couple months to have her tires replaced 
out of his own pocket, which you're like, oh, no big deal. No, that's a big deal to somebody who lives in government-subsidized housing. Now I'd hear a story of how he met me here in this place where I thought nobody else would come. I'm talking about, talking about hundreds of people that he had influence over because he decided, you know what? I'm going to stand out and be different. Not different weird. I'm talking about, I'm going to stand out for what matters. And he had an impact where some guy has to stand in line for four plus hours just to go through and shake his family's hand. Like That blows my mind. Like that's the kind of reach that I would love to have. If I just had half of that. People just had to stand in line for two hours to see me laying there. I'd be like, 15 minutes, I'd be like, hey, what's up, you know? It's crazy. Like, here's the thing. I don't, I don't want to, be, I want to be remembered for standing out, not forgotten for blending in. If we're always blending in, then we're not fully committed to Christ. If we don't stand out to, we don't stand out to make a statement, we stand out because he has called us to be different. If the byproduct is a statement, then so be it. Because we're going to take our stand against the devil's schemes. We're going to put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the belt of, the belt of truth, our shoes that are prepared with the gospel, the readiness, peace. And we're going to take our stand. Be ready to stand against the enemy's attack. And, we, and, we, and when we've done everything else, we will stand. Why? Because Jesus stood and died for us. So it's our turn to take a stand for him. He's called us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we'll be able to test and approve what his will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You cannot be a part-time Christian and stand out and have victory. We've got to be all up in that joint. Stand out. Next week, we're going to look at another story from the book of Daniel. That we're going to build on this foundation. But if we don't stand out, the rest of this will not matter. God, lead us. Lead us to live in such a way that our lives would bring you glory. God, if it means being different and mocked, so be it. God, we want to do what you will call us to do, whatever you call us to do, to be different in a way that honors you, to be transformed in your presence by your spirit, that our lives would bring you ultimate glory. God, my prayer is that Shift Church is a church that stands out among, among others, that we will do things that other churches aren't willing to do to reach people. To serve people. Even if it's just something as simple as music and lights for a middle school musical. Even if it's just giving some somebody a little hope. Giving somebody some baby stuff just so they can be a little bit eased. It may, may, whatever it may be, God. Maybe it's paying somebody's light bill because... We just couldn't this month. May we just stand out a little bit and be something different. So that your name and your renown is the glory that we want to happen. God, I pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, listen.